Are you or a loved one suffering from a medical coincidence? You want proper medical care, but you don't want people sniffing around asking a whole bunch of questions about what might be causing your problem. At the Kaufman Institute for Coincidence, we won't look into the cause of your heart or other problem. We'll just fix it. That's right. We promise to only look at your symptoms. We won't get all curious looking for causes because that could get your employer or your doctor into some legal hot water. And nobody wants that. At Kaufman, we understand that coincidence is now the leading cause of death. Hey, we've got another coincidence over here. If we want to operate at the speed of science, there's no time for looking for causes. No pesky questions about drugs or vaccines you may have been given. At Kaufman, we specialize in the effects and leave the causes to the conspiracy theorists. And let's be honest, we know the cause anyway. It was a coincidence, right? For each new patient, Kaufman's talented team of doctors strap on their blinders and look directly at the problem area, usually the heart, just like the CDC recommends. Our main campus now treats myocarditis, blood clots, heart arrhythmia, stroke, heart attack, magnetic skin, difficulty breathing, full body blisters and burning, convulsions, kidney failure, memory loss, cancer, sudden death, and much, much more. Give your coincidence the attention it deserves, but not the wrong kind of attention. At Kaufman, schedule your appointment today at KaufmanCoincidence.com and receive a doctor's note with a real sciency sounding explanation to provide to your anti-vax friends, proving to them it was definitely not the vaccine that caused your coincidence. Kaufman, because coincidences happen pretty much all the time. Uh, yes, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Facts versus Rhetoric. Obviously, I'm having an issue keeping away and not recording episodes as we await our interview with our special guest on Monday. But something is becoming increasingly obvious to me, and it's making me unable to remain silent. So I just wanted to throw it out there to you in this edition of Peer Review and see what you think. Over the past decade, I think I've changed my political outlook many times on how the government should govern the people. As I said before, when I didn't know how anything worked, when I didn't know how to hold anyone accountable, when I wasn't able to scoreboard anything, I thought I was a Republican. And then as I got older, I adopted some ideas from across the aisle because I recognized that we've been giving people free shit for way too long just to cut it off and tell everyone to suck it up, right? Then I realized what we should be giving to our citizens is the truth and trying to give them as many opportunities as possible to make their lives better for themselves and to stop stealing from them. I don't think it takes an Ivy League education to see none of that is happening now and has not happened for the last 40 years. So today I'm driving into work thinking about what is currently happening in our country. You know, the fact that 80% of workers live paycheck to paycheck, 50% of our country makes less than $30,000 a year, inflation's robbing us daily. Well, Nick, inflation's down to 6%. Woo! Well, let us not forget, those in charge of stealing our wealth have a 2% annual inflation target. So they are telling you to your face that their goal is a yearly reduction in your wealth and purchasing power of 2% while also convincing you that any deflation, so an increase in your purchasing power, is somehow bad. So to your face, stealing from you is good and giving back to you is bad. We are at three times the annual theft rate of your money. 
And why I talk about this so much is because, because we should be demanding deflation or at a minimum, no-flation. We shouldn't be celebrating the fact that inflation has gone from 8% to 6%. Yay! It's only three times as much as they told us it was going to be. It used to be four times as much. They used to take four times as much as our money and purchasing power. So I'm driving in, thinking of all of our current issues that are affecting the general welfare of our country. And I don't think these are in debate, right? I think voters on either side of the political aisle would agree that 80% of people in this country living paycheck to paycheck is not good. You know, that's indicative of a problem. 46% of customers that can't afford a surprise $400 medical expense is not good. And let's be honest, $400 medical bills don't even exist anymore. It's more like 1,400. But regardless, no one can afford a surprise bill. I think we can all agree that that's not good. That's not indicative of a system that's working well for the people. So in a vacuum, I would argue both sides would agree on our domestic issues we face. Yet we are all swept up in this political theater of politics today. You know, your guy had classified documents. That's so bad. Our team's better. Oh, snap. Your guy has classified documents now. That's bad and hypocritical because you gave our guy shit. Our team's better. We're fighting over classified documents pretending to care about integrity, good record-keeping practices, and national security. Yeah, okay. We have said many times that in the absence of religion and community, politics becomes religion, and I'd like to build on that observation. It's becoming clear to me now that politics is also becoming personal to us. How else do you explain grown-ass men and women fighting over the possession of documents that they know nothing about? Grown-ass men and women defending their guy for committing an error. Instead of every member of the country being like, that was wrong, please take responsibility, let us know what you intend to do to make sure that doesn't happen again. Right? Think, just think about that for a minute. You demand accountability and require an acceptable action plan to resolve the issue if the pet food I ordered from your company gave my cat the shits. What are you going to do about it? Hey, the steak I ordered was overcooked. That's a $38 ribeye. What are you going to do about it? See, when, when we are the consumer, we have no issue holding anyone accountable. Even our favorite pet food company or our favorite restaurant, right? We'll still be friends. We'll still continue to buy their products and support their businesses if they do the right thing, apologize for the issue, and make an effort to make it right. That's it. Yet for some fucked up reason, we continue to make excuses for our favorite political team at our own expense. What would happen if we made excuses for our favorite restaurant? Oh, you know, I know my steak came out like shit, but you know, it's so busy. I don't even know how they keep track of all these orders. Oh, it's Friday night. You know, it's so hard to find good kitchen help nowadays. If we didn't hold them accountable, what happens? You, you would get an overcooked or undercooked steak every time. If you don't care about the product or the service, then the ones providing the product or service sure as aren't going to care because they have no motivation to care. So I'm observing the people of this country not holding anyone on their side accountable while making excuses for them and using the failings of the other team to rally around and feel better about your own team. Have you noticed that any of your team's supposed wins have just been failures of the other team? 
end of quote, repeat the line, because I think that's powerful stuff. Have you noticed that your team's wins have just been the failures of the other team? Yeah, Trump had documents he shouldn't have had. Win for the blue team. Oh, yeah, Biden has documents he shouldn't have. Now we can replay all his quotes calling out Trump. Win for the red team. Blue and red keep winning, and the people keep fucking losing. See, I naively believed when I started this little project here that the, the best way to affect positive change was to help identify the real issues so we can propose real solutions and, hey, we need to understand how government works. And that was necessary to accomplish our goal. However, after years of paying close attention to the fact that the politicians' actions don't match their words while also coming to the sober realization that no one is coming to save us. Okay, we mentioned this previously, but it is worth repeating to illustrate the point. Let's go back to 2008. Democrats thought electing Barack Obama would save us from the disastrous Bush years. You know, three wars, a looming glo global financial crisis. Goddamn Republicans driving this country into the ground. Oh, let's say some hope and change. And in 2016, Republicans and some Democrats who voted for Barack Obama twice thought Donald Trump would save us. Both Democrats and Republicans took note that their lives got worse under Obama and not better. We went from three wars to seven. We bailed out Wall Street, and then they used that money to give themselves bonuses. The voters knew what voting for Hillary would have meant, more the same shit. So they rolled the dice on a political novice reality TV star to be our savior. And that didn't work out. And in 2020, the Democrats and the rest of the world pin their hopes on salvation on Joe Biden or anybody but Trump. His rhetoric on illegal immigrants is so mean, even though he deported half the numbers Obama did in his first year. He put half the kids in the cages than Obama did, and Obama built those cages. Anyway, anybody but the mean guy. So we elected a lifetime corrupt politician who had to drop out of two previous presidential races for lying and plagiarizing other people's speeches. He couldn't even be bothered to come up with an original lie or he was too fucking lazy to cite the sources. How hard is it to... I'm reminded of what Bobby Kennedy said, right? I mean, you still get credit for saying something that sounds like you care. Anyway, the Dems elect Biden to save us, save the country. Well, shocker, no change happens. No $15 minimum wage, no student debt relief, no health care in the middle of a global pandemic. No money for us, but I'm going to keep giving Ukraine more money than the annual State Department budget. Right in front of your face. I'm going to broadcast that shit in the news every night. Hey, America, are you in need of some money? Would having some extra money put you in a path to human flourishment? Oh, yes. Of course it would. Geez, I'd love to give you some of this money, but Ukraine is in need of food and medical care and infrastructure. You know, we got to rebuild all those schools that we helped blow up. What about our schools? What about our health care, our medical supplies, our food, our affordable energy? Listen, Jack, Putin invaded Ukraine. We need to send them guns, ammo, tanks, missile systems. It's not about you and your needs. We're all going to have to sacrifice here so we can sanction Russia and just, you know, be a good steward of the world. And Republicans in 2022 be like, I don't think the government has our best interest in mind. Censored, demonetized, deplatformed, canceled, smeared, jailed, suicided. Elon will save us. He'll bring us back to free speech so we can argue with each other again on Twitter. 
So after 15 years, we finally completed the circle jerk, arriving back at the place where we started. And we're celebrating that we have the right to yell at people on the other team on Twitter again. Meanwhile, trillions of dollars later, millions of lives later, 15 years of human suffering later, we're right back at square one and we're taking it as a win, thinking someone will come and save us. It's right around the corner. I bring this up and spend a lot of time and energy illustrating this to ask you one question. And trigger warning, I'm about to ask you a question that will require you to think objectively about your team. Are you ready? Can you identify any difference between Republican and Democrat past legislation? Okay, so go back the last 10, 20, 30 years. Can you spot the difference? Now remember, it's not what they say or have said, what they voted for or would vote for. Forget all of the words and focus solely on their actions. Past legislation, okay? I'm hoping this is an eye-opening exercise for everyone because when I played this game, I can't come up with any observable difference between the party's past legislation. And furthermore, I can't identify any legislation that contributed to more human flourishment. And to my Democrat friends, before we start celebrating any legislation that required additional government spending without raising taxes to pay for it, we must remember that that creates inflation for everyone, robbing all of us and making any perceived net positive a net negative. And conversely, to all my Republican friends, before we start celebrating any tax cut legislation that was passed that did not include cuts to government spending, we must also remember if we cut taxes and we do not cut government spending, that creates inflation for everyone, robbing all of us and making any perceived net positives a net negative. So whether you increase government spending or lower the amount of taxes collected, it creates inflation. Why is that, Nick? Glad you asked, Nick. We always have to keep in mind we spend more than we collect in taxes every day of every year, okay? We've normalized this deficit spending. We collected $4.9 trillion in taxes, and we spent $6.27 trillion in 2022, okay? So that's a $1.37 trillion deficit. We have to sell U.S. Treasury notes and bonds and pay interest to those who buy them to make up that difference. No different than a company selling bonds to raise money for their company. The big difference is what if no one wants to buy a three-year U.S. Treasury that yields 3.79% annual interest, right? The U.S. dollar is losing 6% annually to inflation. So right off the bat, that is a negative 3% return which is a nice way of saying you just lost 3% of your investment. So when no sane or rational person would ever buy a U.S. Treasury that guarantees them to lose money, who buys it? How do we raise money to pay for this deficit spending? How do we generate the $1.37 trillion that we need? Well, the Federal Reserve, of course. The money printing you hear so much about. That's the New York Federal Reserve buying treasuries that the open market will not buy. If you would like to learn more how this is done, click on the link of the New York Fed in the description. So the problem is we need to generate revenue to pay for our deficit spending. No one wants to buy our debt, so we buy it. We are financing our own debt. 
which inflates your purchasing power away. That's the whole printing money scam. If you pass a bill that involves government spending without including the taxes to pay for it, it's inflationary. If you pass a tax cut that does not include cuts in government spending to pay for it, it's also inflationary. So can you identify any difference between Republican and Democrat past legislation? If a tax cut or government program creates inflation, then there is no difference in the net outcome of this legislation to every person in the country. It's bad. Have fun with that one. Email me if you can think of any differences or think of any legislation that has led to human flourishment or has protected our rights and freedoms or any legislation that gives us more choices. I just keep hearing about legislation to eliminate choices which equal freedom. Always remember, more choices you have, the more freedom you have. The more choices that are removed, the less freedom you have. Like cooking on a gas stove. Ah, oh, yeah, baby. Even pan temperatures, it heats up quicker, it's more efficient. Yeah, well, too bad, because for your safety, we'll be removing the right to cook on one of those gas stoves for your safety, of course. Well, what about cigarettes or alcohol, soybean oil, canola oil, bleaching chemicals such as azodicarbon amine in white flour, the fiberless fruit, high fructose corn syrup and fruit juice, the caramel coloring, bisphenol A, that's the BPA, the aspartame in diet soda, the butylated hydroxytoluene, the hydroxylated fucking, well, I don't even know what the fuck it is, BHTs and the BHAs, the refined carbs and the added sugar in children's cereal. You can't even pronounce this shit. Sir, 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 we will not, we will not engage in your whataboutism to illustrate the straight up hypocrisy and lack of rational thought on our policies. Move along, move along, or else we'll classify you as a domestic terrorist for questioning our well-meaning intentions to keep you safe. Gas stoves are racist, and they've been contributing to climate change since last week. They need to be removed, so you'll give up cooking your own healthy food and go out to Chick-fil-A and let the chemicals and toxins affect your gut, which will affect your brain, and then you'll crave fried chicken. Because besides the high fat and calorie content, they contain high levels of inflammatory advanced glycogen end products, or AGEs, and these compounds form when animal-derived products are cooked at a high temperature for a prolonged period of time. And according to the 2015 review published in the Journal of Advances in Nutrition, Experts concluded that sustained exposures to AGEs gradually erode native defenses, setting the stage for abnormally high oxidative stress and inflammation, the precursors of disease. So again, removing these gas stoves, which are an existential threat to our democracy, will keep you and our planet safe and healthy. So your homework for today is to see if you can identify any difference between Republican and Democrat past legislation over the past 30 years. Also, if you want to dedicate some time and energy to fixing our real problems, like the fact that 80% of workers live paycheck to paycheck, 50% of our country makes less than 30K a year, the fact that housing, healthcare, and healthy food is fucking unaffordable at this point, we have a 40-year high inflation rate, or why people have to work multiple jobs just to afford the necessities of food, shelter, and energy. If you want to dedicate some time and energy to fixing our real problems, it starts with identifying the real problems. 
not getting swept up in the political theater of made up problems that give you an opportunity to feel better about your team when the opposing team screws up. Forget about fighting your neighbor over climate change or the funding to Ukraine or classified fucking documents. Forget about your team's talking points and start working towards the realization that no one is coming to save you. It is up to you. It's up to me. It's up to me and my neighbor, just like it's up to you and your neighbor. So try going one day without criticizing the other team, blaming your problems on the other team, playing the victim because of the other team. Spend a day taking responsibility for your own team sucking and your role in letting that happen. It's not red versus blue, me versus you. It's them versus us. It's the few against the many. And if you're not working together with the many, then you're helping the few at your own expense and at your children's own expense. So I'd like to thank everyone for joining us today and letting me brighten up your day with this positivity, equality, and love. Just kidding. I'm here to make you think for yourself, not blow rainbow smoke up your ass and tell you everything is going to be all right. No one is coming to save us. Have a great Friday. It's Friday night, so everything is popping. I got skin to spin on the hand, so let the games begin. Yakety yak, don't talk back or a song. Calling up Earl on the court phone. Mac 10, just got out of court. Rolling through the hood in the super sport, dropping too short. 18, got the rear view mirrors vibrating. And deep dish datings, you know how we do it. Ain't nothing to it but the floss. Overcrowded, Harrison Ross, cause if you're hooking with us. Oh, yeah, throw your neighborhood in 